This episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and DraftKings. Hello, I'm Toronto Mike, producer of Humble and Fred. This best of is proudly brought to you by DraftKings. Bet online legally and safely with DraftKings Sportsbook. Ian and Dave Thomas are two successful siblings, and some say Ian is the funny one. Cue up Painted Ladies. Here's Ian Thomas on Humble and Fred on April 9th, 2015. Uh, welcome back around North America. It's Canada Laughs, Channel 168, around the world at humbleandfredradio.com. There's been a, a bunch of Humble and Fred uh, podcast extra material. A lot of you people that listen to us in this hour on Sirius, whether it's in, uh, where's that guy called us from? Birmingham, Alabama? Yeah. Birmingham? Mm-hmm. Jed. <laughs> everyone has one name. Or Jeb. <laughs> it's, it's just one name in Birmingham. Yeah. And uh, I'm hoping that, hey, Charles, and uh, is he in North Carolina, our buddy Charles? It's South Carolina. I'm going to South Carolina, but Charles, if you want to come down and hang out with us in Myrtle Beach, don't forget to bring some weed. I wonder if he knows that cop who was charged with murder. Did you hear about that? There's some new video, apparently, that they have uh, what happened in the struggle before. No. Yeah. There's always another story. I've told you this. Mm-hmm. Uh, please welcome to our program a young man who is uh, living the dream. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was years ago. He is uh, a guy that's been uh, around for a long time making great music and is uh, also very, very funny and, and is an inspiration to all. Sometimes I, I inspire myself. He recently received the Order of Dundas. I did. And uh, with that, uh, a $50 gift certificate. From That's Pizza true. Pizza. And free parking. It's Ian Thomas. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I was trying to uh, I was trying to figure out what recording of uh, Pilot that is. That was taken from the SCTV program live, I think. This one I'm playing? Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe. Did you get it off YouTube? I did. I don't know, but yeah. this is... Uh, I, it's been so... It, it was been, it's been so long that it's been on my computer... Uh, you know, you were, you've were you been here for a while, and we really appreciate you coming in early. And if this was a real operation, there'd be a room you'd be in, and we, you wouldn't have to... It would be in prep. Right yeah, you'd, you, wouldn't, we would, you wouldn't have to see us looking at you to make sure you're okay. Because <laughs> it's funny, when people are waiting on the couch, it de- depends on their level of importance, how intimidated we are. As Did we I per- ruin your show today? No, no. Oh, good. As you perform the show, because you're more conscious, geez, what does Ian Thomas think about this? There's other people that sit there, and you don't give a shit what they think about it. <laughs> we, had a, yeah. we had an intern candidate <laughs> yeah. sit there a couple weeks ago she fell asleep yeah. <laughs> Honestly, she's, she's not going to be interested this girl comes no. in okay. and she, this starts with a, a 
letter to be our intern to whom it may concern. Well, mm-hmm. this isn't Hewlett Packard. Well, you know, you're not calling. You're not sending it to the HR department. So we bring her in there. First, Mr. Patterson goes over. Says hi. She doesn't know who he is. <laughs> then I said, Do you know anything about our show? Well, you started in 1989. I go. I know. I've seen the wiki page. I know. How it <laughs> and then she just dozed off. That's that's not respect. Well, that's not even you're respect. Did, you're just, actually doing kind of a Rodney Dangerfield right now. Yeah, that's there I am doing my show. No one respect. Well, she falls please. asleep. Yeah, no one's respected Sorry, us. Sorry, that was for a over bit of a Godfrey I did. <laughs> I liked it. I'm asleep. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that recording from SCTV. One of the cool things about you know Ian's connection to comedy is pretty deep. I mean, we talked about this last time you were here, but your brother Dave Thomas and you guys—it was a pretty funny family. We're and I can't remember the answer because I couldn't remember when you were here last. Were you funnier than him as a kid, or were you guys always trying to make each other laugh? Uh, yeah, we were trying to make each other laugh. But <clears throat> David, from a very young age, uh, he'd leave the table, and then he'd come back to the dinner table uh, dressed as uh, an Indonesian vacuum clean cleaner salesman, and he'd do 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> really? So, yeah, he, he loved, we, we picked up all these dialects uh, off of Peter Sellers' records, and mm-hmm. whenever we'd go to Britain, if if we were in Scotland, of course, we'd speak with Scottish accents. If we were in Wales, well, how are you doing, boy we'd speak with Welsh accents, and then when we were in Birmingham, not the one in Alabama, but in, in Great Britain, you know, well, that get that how you did. I'm not too bad. How's yourself? You know, we'd just go into mm-hmm. all these accents. So from a very early age, uh, we were latching on to that stuff, primarily when we went to, to, to the U.K., not to appear as tourists. So mm-hmm. we try to blend in by speaking the dialect. So as the Indonesian vacuum guy, did he ever make a sale? Or? <laughs> That's right. He was so good yeah. that mom bought her own vacuum back from him. <laughs> you know what? It was kind of the old rule of thumb for show business. You had enough. They, my parents gave both Dave and I enough rope to hang ourselves. Perfect. So you'd bomb and you'd leave the table in disgrace. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Didn't no you tell us? For you. Didn't you tell us your dad was a pretty funny guy too? Even though he was a, even though he was a philosophy professor, right. yes, he was amazingly funny for a philosophy professor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Might be the funniest professor of philosophy ever. Do you see Dave a lot, or do, does he live? Where are the? He lives in L.A. Right. He can't stand anything even slightly chilled. He, yeah, he I has to it. be under a palm tree somewhere in the mm. sun. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Isn't it funny? We've talked about you know the aging process a lot in the show because you know we're going through. It. Uh, and there seems to be, and I was telling one of my kids this, it's like I grew up in Moose Jaw, so I was around cold my whole life, but as I've gotten older, my tolerance for it has gone down this last February. Because your skin gets thinner. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> my bones hurt? Your skin and your hair get thinner, so you're, you're not impervious to the cold anymore. But what about you? I mean, you're a local kid. You grew up in winter. And uh, is that do you, do you find yourself going away for longer and longer stretches? Ontario has become more like Baffin Island to me. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the middle of January this year, I was starting to fancy raw seal meat. That's so right. I thought, okay, that's it. So believe it or not, this year I dyed my hair blue. I went to Florida. Nice. Good Played for you. shuffleboard for a month and, and why not? Did Put you really play shuffleboard? No. Oh, no. Because you'd probably like it. <laughs> no, it's a good game. You know, I get into the game of bocce and it's funny. People laugh and there's certain little games that hey, you give it a shot. It's not bad. He can beat a few of those ladies. Uh-huh. You no, like he, shuffleboard? He's a, I know. I played it. It's mm-hmm. great. And, you, and this this gentleman, he's being humble, but uh, it's called he's, bocce ball, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a he's a two time uh, trailer park bocce ball champion. Yeah. <laughs> You know, not, I know a fair fellow had bocce ball. There's a, a, an ointment you can get for that. It's very, very good. <laughs> That's right. It's scaly, and then it hardens. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, 
Yeah, I saw, you know, it's funny because we, Freddie and I talked about, because this show we do is live every morning around North America, but it doesn't matter if we did it here or someplace less cold. No. You know, we could always do that. So will you be a guest on our show from Florida next February, say, David? I, I, I would love that. I mean, Ian? I'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> if we can. See, it's, that's great, though. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I thought he was here last month, mm-hmm. and now we don't know your name. But <laughs> that happens when you get older. Yeah. I know. Yeah, was this this year or last year? You know, my dad, when he was older, I've, it was used to make my brothers and I laugh, because there's Stephen, David, and Howard. Mm-hmm. So he was. it's not like he would forget our names, but he would look at one of us and just couldn't quite yeah, place yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. did. Oh, my parents would run through the four of us. That's exactly what he yeah. did. So he always he looked at me, and go, uh, David, uh, Stephen, uh, Howard, right? Mm. Oh, one time my I got fr- one time I got the dog's name that had passed away already. <laughs> yeah, I used to go. Do you know what I mean? There were four one. children. Yeah, I'm the youngest. Did your parents not know about rubber things? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good grief! My mother maintains an uh, allergy to latex. So did, did watch you, a movie already? Were right? you sort of at the bottom of the jumble or on the baby? Yeah. So do you have insecurities and esteem issues? I do so, now. You oh. do. Yeah. Wow. See, there you go. <laughs> Having what? four children, not a good thing. Not so much. No, I was always the and one you who were with three. All the all the babies of the family want love, and that's why we all go into performing. Of course. Were you the last? Yeah. You yeah, were. So, yeah, yeah, I was. So too. was he. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, was... you get back to your dad being a philosophy uh, professor, and and you know, it's, it's it's. I know you say he was a funny philosophy professor, but I've rarely met any good comedians or good radio people that weren't smart. It's hard, to, it's hard to be funny if you're dumb. <laughs> Actually, I've met a lot of dumb radio people. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm saying good ones. Yeah. Oh, oh good ones. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, there's tons of dumb ones, and that's and why they they're aren't funny. funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they do the adenoidal thing, too, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, Chavez. That's Leon right. Chavez with his latest video. It's like, the one. <laughs> It's 8.04. We got a beautiful sunny sky and Ian Thomas. Well, traffic in a couple of minutes. He's got the uh, traffic reporting in. What's it look like outside there, pal? Well, there's no traffic moving at all, so get on the road now. Quick. Uh, Eileen's news is coming up. Freddie's got a sports commentary. And coming up, five ways to get out of the house faster in the morning. Uh, that's right. Ian Thomas will also be here. Jabos. <laughs> Here's Pilot. Boob. seven three. Um, but it's funny, Freddie and I often have this conversation about, uh, you know, to be a good uh, morning guy, you know, to be a good performer, to be a good comedian, there's certain, there has to be a bit of uh, ability to synthesize information quickly and then... Then pass it. And regurgitate it and, f- t- you know, bring it back. And, and people that... Uh, intelligence is a big word in that. And, then, you know, if you don't have intelligence, you, you can't do those things. Because I mean, even to, to write good songs, there has to be a way. You're, you're synthesizing information. You're, you're bringing it back to people in a way that's familiar but new. Sure. And that's also what comedy is. Yeah, usually the, usually the best comics have, uh, have fairly deep reference levels. Actually, Dave was telling tell me he was out with Stephen Fry for lunch. Stephen Fry, the British uh, comedian. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. And he said, my God, I've never met a guy with a reference level like that. He's read virtually every book in the English language. So when, when he does his, his shtick, it's so deeply found, it's, it's so deep that he's able to, to trivialize things, but there's layers to it, right? It's the layers that make it. And sometimes those guys aren't accessible to everyone, 
but you know, a great comedian uh, uh, like Seinfeld or Louis C.K., they take things you're familiar with and they, they, they do something to it to give you a new perspective on it. And that's what makes you react to it. Cause you're like, I, I know about that, but man, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Uh, that's, and, I, don't you think Gottfried was just one, one of the most interesting? Gilbert? Just, yeah. Great. You know, one of my favorite comics. <clears throat> We've had him on a couple times. Not a great guest. No. Uh, although the second time we had him on. On the phone. On the phone was great. But I think he's great because his references are just so show business and sort of inside. And But he's he's so out there. Now, there's another thing, too. <clears throat> Every once in a while, you'll see a, an actor in something, and you'll say, oh, what an amazing performance. Uh, like, f- for example, the guy who played the dad in Back to the Future. I forget his name. Uh, oh, Crispin Glover. Crispin he's Glover. He's amazing. And everybody, what an incredible performance. But in actual fact, no, he's nuts. Yeah, he's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> he played so, himself. Yeah, he did. He's <laughs> he just himself. So, you know, part of, of Godfrey's genius is he's got such a wacky view of the world yeah. that he just he doesn't sit there thinking and about writing it's pretty much knee jerk he's yeah. that, he looks through a very skewed prism and yeah. it happens to delight all of us and he's go oh i can make some money at this <laughs> so off and he sounds goes. funny while he's doing it yeah. wait, wait, did, did you enjoy comedy more than music or both the same or you know here's another do you think you're funnier than you are no uh, musical and, musical and most most comedians i've met also are very dark people Yes, they're very dark. They're 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 bright when they're up and they're yeah. on and they're doing it, and it seems like when they're on downtime, either they're trying to think of another line or it's they're just, doing another it's, line. It's, <laughs> it's serious downtime. So uh, it, it's that's a, a curious thing that you know. Look at look at Johnny Carson for example. When he was on, that was actually the best of Johnny. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I'm I'm reading that book for a, the second time. A, a Bushkin's book. Uh. Uh, his lawyer. Bushkin was his lawyer. No, the other, just the, just the biography one. It's been around for years. Bushkin but. did a biography. And yeah, it was fa- well, fascinating. You know who? Uh, and that's and, and that's the same. I mean, I'm, I know. I've listen. I've been around stand up my whole life, and a lot of the comics, my favorite comics, when I meet them in person, they turn out to be kind of unhappy, gusting to miserable people. The one guy that I've admired my whole comedy life that seems to belie—is that the word? Belie that? Yeah. Uh, is this a cliche or a stereotype? Is Steve Martin? I just read his book a couple years ago. He he went through uh, some of that whatever adjustment period as a young man, but he seems very adjusted as an adult because he's so intelligent. And he's he he's got other interests. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have the typical neuroses of most comedians. Yeah. It's, and it's funny you mentioned Carson too because you're right. Like he would pull into the parking lot, and that's the Johnny everyone knew, and the the hours of the day where he was actually seemed to be enjoying his life, and then he'd pull out of the parking lot, and the stories are just bizarre. A tortured soul. Oh, yeah. just re- really like, and you know, and from our perspective, you, how how could you live in Southern California, have this uh, successful television show, and not be happy every minute of the day? Sure. Go to your place in Malibu and enjoy running on the beach. Wear but, those funny white shorts that were really too... Yeah, but... <laughs> you see a picture of him in those yeah. tennis shorts, like, up to his ball sack? You know who else is like that? <laughs> I love saying ball sack. Uh, is Letterman. Letterman a, was a pretty unhappy guy in, in his own way. There's a great story about, you know, they uh, apparently, you know, when you go to they go to break on the show, Letterman doesn't really talk to the guests, partly for the same reason we don't, because we want to keep the conversation fresh when it happens. So Letterman would kind of the lights would go down. And I guess there was somebody uh, and he was just doodling on that on his pad. And someone looked over and they're like, you know, hey, Dave, what are you writing? And he showed him, I hate my life. Mm hmm. 
It's like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. I hate my life, is what he 15 wrote. 15 to $20 million a year is, is enough to get you just be disgusted with yourself. Well, and at what point does that money not become part of the equation? I mean, but if it, you're never happy anyway, then it, you're never you know, fulfilled. It's like when I listen to Howard Stern, doesn't like hotel rooms, doesn't like flying, doesn't like traveling, and I'm thinking, what do you... So, that, all that money, like, he watches television shows. It's like... Oh, yeah, he's a... He you can loves buy a television. You can buy a great TV for 2000 bucks. It's like... Yeah. Maybe that's part of the creative it? process, though. Maybe. You, you think about it, the guy who wrote The Power of Now, it's mm-hmm. wasted on people who are always trying to think of the next idea. Yes. And, and I think probably everybody at this table has been engaged in that to a certain extent. You're always... Thinking forward because that's the nature of creativity. I'm working on another song. My mind is subprocessing stuff that'll it'll mm-hmm. spit out in a day or two, and that's just the way we work. So consequently, you'll see people like a Letterman. He's always thinking about what he's going to do next, and for the most part, he's never present. Mm-hmm. He's and and it's I sad, think eh? yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's an element too. You look at all of the guys who are who are currently, you know, the talk show guys. Very few people had the grace of, of Johnny Carson. Letterman certainly doesn't. It's all about Letterman. You know, if he has a guest on, he doesn't really give the guest much much uh, rope at all. It, it's but that's all, also the nature of his comedy and his persona. Yeah. And one of the reasons that people liked Letterman when he began is that he was so much the anti. Talk sort of guy. talk show guy, the typical sure. Chloe reverence. Sure. Yeah, it was all it was all that breakthrough. It was a sort of like you know, think about it. It's early eighties, a few years Different past attitude. Yeah, mm-hmm. a few years after Saturday Night Live, it was kind of like that. Our generation's first guy that was sort of the anti. But but as it's, I think he's gotten. My point is, I think as he's gotten older, he's gotten more gracious and and. I watch him because he's because he's weird. Right. But (laughs) I think he's also intelligent. Back to my original point. You see him when he'll break down a whether it's 9-11 or he'll talk about something that he's really feels passionate about. The guy's articulate. Back to the point that, you know, it's hard to be articulate if you're dumb. And fearless. Yeah. He is fearless. um, Dude, same with Gilbert, by the way. And getting back to funny people being dark and, you know, and that gets back to thinking too much. And especially when you have time in your hands. Because the mind can be a dangerous thing. Oh, absolutely. That's one thing I noticed with the job that we had over the years. If you're done 10 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and the rest of the day you're not around people. Um, and you're not doing anything, your mind can... It's, it's not your friend sometimes. Oh, 100%. Just overthink. Yeah, it's like, you know... This is so sad. No, but it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, I'm, I get accused of that. Like, sometimes, you know, people in my whole life have said, if I'm, not, if I'm not doing something, they're like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Well, no, but you come, you're not... Yeah, but your mind's going a mile no, but because, a minute. But yeah. because if I'm not being funny or goofing around, right, they, go, yeah. they think something's wrong with mm-hmm. me. I get the same thing. It's like, it's like you can't be... Da- you can't have downtime or, or you always have to be on. Sure. And if you're not, then there must be something wrong. Of course, I go home and, you know, daddy has his problems. The piano. <laughs> daddy, can I come upstairs? No, daddy's got his computer. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a little therapy music right That's right. <laughs> Just slip out of your things and get on your own tables at home, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We're all going to hug. Because you have a great ear for accents. Uh, and I can do our dialects. I can do a few accents. But uh, the other day I was doing Tom Waits' voice. And my daughter said, great, Dad. Your best impression is of somebody almost nobody knows. Nobody knows nice reference. Great, yeah, great, Dad. Way to go. Do your one-man Tom Waits show. Well, uh, it's kind of like, who is that great Canadian imitating guy? He used to imitate everybody's voice. 
voices. Rich Little. Mm-hmm. But all his references were dead. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he's, no. and he, you know, if you if you were under the age of 50, That's nobody right. got it. Hey, yeah. Rich, do Ike again. <laughs> what are, is, is he still alive? Rich? Is he yeah. still around? Yeah, I don't is. know. This is a great tune. To be a happy song, Matt, till it got into his hands. I was gonna say they should totally get him to do Happy Birthday. You know the funny thing about Tom Waits, he he was the the first time I saw him on the David Letterman show. Like that was the nature of Letterman's show back in the early '80s when he got off that morning program, which was horrible except for him. When he first started doing the late night show, he'd have people like this on, and Ricky Lee Jones and people I didn't really know about, and I was like, wow, like. You know, it's funny. It's now 30 years later, and uh, it's funny about Tom Waits' voice. He he doesn't always sing like this. I'd love to hear him singing the Pharaoh song, Happy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Happy for the rest of your life. Happy. Um, I tell you what, Ian Thomas is here uh, about uh, four minutes from now. We're going to go to a break, and then uh, Ian's going to play. We're going to talk about this project. This big project. Should we talk about it now? It's my or geography it, project. I don't know if I want to get into it now, because then when we come back, we could talk about that. Then he plays. Too much information thing. could be awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were mentioning Anne-Marie. Have you ever had the chance to be around her, work <laughs> with her? She did one Do of my songs. Which, which one? She did a song from the second Boomers album called Good Again. Really? And uh, it was right around the time, actually, Lynn Rambo had passed away, who was her manager of a, long, of a long time. All right. And Good Again was a song about that whole recovery process of, you know, when someone you love dies and you've got all this love that's got nowhere for it to go. So feeling good again is all about learning to feel good again. And, and if you want to remember that person's uh, memory in a good way, you got to quit feeling mm-hmm. sorry for yourself and cherish the time you had with them. So wow. here's Ann Murray, Boom 97.3. This is the song, right? Yeah. Sometimes That's it, it yeah. doesn't seem like much, but it's life nonetheless. Yeah, there is that some that's pretty cool. Like, did she phone you and say, "Hey, Ian, can I sing?" It was, I heard your song. I like it. I want to do it. It was kind of that. Yeah. I mean, she'd been listening to the Boomers version of this, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess it, it had some reson- resonance to her in that in that window. So, you know, when a person does a song for the right reasons, it, it feels really good to you as a writer. Right. Sometimes, you know, for example, when Santana uh, did a song of mine called "Hold On," that was sort of rammed down their throats by the label because mm-hmm. the album didn't have a single and the, the label well if we don't have a single how, how can we promote the record they're marketing geniuses uh, mm-hmm. at record companies so you know sometimes you feel a little awkward about those mm-hmm. um, but in that case hold on by Santana for your version I, and I've, I've loved your version for a long time we played a, I played it a lot and then when I heard the Santana version it's okay but it was almost did, did you mind in the end how much it must have made you some money oh yeah it paved the driveway no doubt about that I'd say so son yeah and particularly when those European residuals start coming in. Oh, the Europeans. Uh, they, they love Hold On. You can live in Iceland as an author, a land of 250,000 people, and make a living. we got to go there. Can't do that in Ontario. we got to go to Iceland's Nat. Mm-hmm. We'll be Iceland's National Morning Show. What year did, did you write the song? What year did she? This was written in 93, and, uh, and I think Anne did it somewhere around 94. 94, 95. This is Anne Murray, 1996. 96, This must have been one of her uh, 
final couple of albums because she didn't work much after the 2000s came along. She told us she basically is retired. I think somewhere in the mid 2000s. You know what? She's never sung again. She's um, mm-hmm. you know pretty amazing girl yeah. when you think about it. Uh, she man the way she ma- managed to get through that whole 70s thing. I mean, there she was at the Troubadour with Ringo and Harry Nilsson, who were just completely blottoed, and you know she has her picture taken with them. That was the night that they were forcibly removed from. I think they were at the Troubadour, mm-hmm. which I used to think, wow, the Troubadour. Then I played the Troubadour with the the Boomers, and I'm looking at this place. It was a dump. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because it was Los Angeles. We all sort of mythology. Yeah, this glamorous place. She told us a a story similarly, maybe the same night, where she got a knock on the door and Lennon came over and said, you know, we really like that version of that, uh, of our song you do. What was that she did? Oh, you don't see me. You don't see me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is the original. As we go to break, uh, listen to Hold On from the Ian Thomas Band. That's what it was called in the days. It was, yeah. The eponymously named. Uh, We'll come back. Ian's got a great story to tell you. And uh, a little performance. And uh, it's Humble and Fred Radio. Many, many decades, this gentleman has been making music, memorable music, and making people laugh. He gives them joy. He's a joy uh, merchant. He dispenses joy and mirth. And happy endings. <laughs> he uh, Can't wait till that part of the show. As a, most of us remember, he was part of Tranquility Base. Oh, of course. Uh, Named after the moonshot. Uh, alleged moonshot. Uh, I got arrested for that, actually. <laughs> Ian Thomas is uh, hanging out with us. It's been great having you back. And I, I know you were here uh, when we began the show. And uh, honestly, I was Yesterday. Wasn't... Yes. <laughs> That's right. You, Ian came and spent the night. We had a sleepover. <laughs> and we watched some cool movies. And we got high, man. Oh, our jammies. Yours are great. All those little cars. I was... I was... Uh... Telling the truth, I, I could have sworn that Ian was here sometime in the last six months, but it was a year and three months ago. Once a year, I have stuff to shamelessly self-promote. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a, a line of rock jewelry now. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> hey, don't beat yourself up. It's like that with me, too. I mean, a name will come up and I'll scroll through the the show and it's amazing how long how the time passes so i was playing in fergus and a guy came up to me not fergus pardon me it was called the norwegian wood in jarvis jarvis guy comes up to me after the first set this is in 1978 uh and he says what is this crap you're playing when are you going to do four strong winds and where the hell is sylvia (laughs) <laughs> the guy thought I was yeah. Ian Tyson. Right. And what he thought, of course, mm-hmm. of of my creative offerings. Mm-hmm. What is this crap you're playing? So did you Isn't switch and make funny? some extra tips? Or? Four strong winds that keep blowing. <laughs> During the break, uh, we should tell that story now. During the break, you were talked about getting hammered with uh, Robin Williams. Yeah. It was during the the drug-crazed 80s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember those. 
I was at this bar over the Roxy. I had gone there with um, a gentleman by the name of uh, Peter Torkvay, who was, he was not ex- the Not the monkey, I was Peter the guy from the- no. he, was, he was in the Swedish monkeys. <laughs> that was Peter Tork. Yeah. This is Tork Torkvay. Yeah, okay. the Swedish monkeys, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think actually it's a Ukrainian twist on, All right. on the All Tork right. name. The Ukrainian monkeys. Then. At that point in time, he was producing WKRP in Cincinnati, which is why every once in a while you'd hear, was it Howard Hessman? Yes. Mm-hmm. Who would say, and here's the Ian Thomas band, and they play a track from one of my songs. Nice. And so that was Peter Torkvay just finagling to get uh, my, nice. my my songs down down to the U.S. Anyway, uh, he took me to this uh, bar called On the Rocks over the Roxy Hotel. And we walk in there, and Peter Cetera's at the bar. And two minutes later, uh, Tom Scott and his uh, then wife uh, Lynn Hughes came in, and with Robin Williams. Of course, everybody's loaded, and this is when everybody was paying two hundred bucks a gram for cold symptoms. I don't know if you <laughs> if you remember that you, era. Buddy, yeah. You paid too much, <laughs> way too. If, you're, if that was L.A. went in the eighties, you paid too much. Remember, I, I remember the Juno Awards in that era. You'd go to the bathroom and you'd see like. Six pairs of shoes in one stall, and and you think, holy mackerel! This is glamorous. <laughs> this is like a bathhouse in Frisco. It was it was very very bizarre, and uh, in this era, and I remember that that night in particular. Uh, because there were copious amounts of, of, of stupid, stupid drugs. And uh, anyway, Robin all of a sudden started uh, as a, uh, a, a Russian uh, radio operator. And uh, Lynn Hughes was quite well, uh, well pronounced physically. Mm-hmm. And Robin started dialing in Moscow uh, <laughs> with her breasts. And talk about this was a and ladies love that. They do. They really sure, do. They crave it. Uh, but what was so ridiculous about it, because he was Robin Williams, Lynn, of course, is not feeling assaulted. It's just... <laughs> oh, look who's touching oh, my boobs. Yes. <laughs> and, I mean, he was hysterical. Mm-hmm. But And then when he turned around and gave me... It was almost like a uh, a Terry Thomas from the old British movies. It was an odd sort of wink with a little, Oh, you see what I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> he totally knew what he was on about. So it was a very, very ridiculous moment. Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's fun. I, I was living in uh, Los Angeles from about 84 to 80. 885 to and and I had never really seen much of that cold remedy but uh, boy it was everywhere you went every and you remember I mean you you turn on the radio in the morning and I'd be somebody at Trump FM who'd been out with the Super Tramp guys the night before. <laughs> yeah. There were the, the ever present delightful runny nose and cold symptoms. Uh, Ian Thomas, there's a reason That's you're great. here. Let's get to it. At some point, we should talk about this project, which is pretty cool. And, uh, and then, how, like, in, in terms of performance readiness, <laughs> where are you uh, in terms of your uh, ability to just get up? Yeah. Should I keep going and get your guitar yeah. and make it work? Was that my cue? No. Oh, after okay. the story, you need a couple minutes or like maybe we could be, we'll go to a quick uh, commercial break or something and you need to tune up. Are you all that stuff? Ah, we, we can do that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Fairly quickly. Okay. Yeah, when we're reading our spots, you can grab the guitar. Yeah. Right. Sure. Perfect. But I am here to promote something selflessly. Yeah. yeah, we won't. This is why we got you back so quickly. <laughs> this is why we had you come back. You guys are great. <laughs> So have what? we done it yet? Oh, no. What is the project, Fred? <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> you're, Phil. You're going to create uh, an album with a Ian. full. You're going to create an album with a full sixty piece orchestra. Now, will, will this be a, a, a new songs or cross section? A cross section. So. A cross-section of my songs from the last 40-something years, um, and a couple of brand-new ones, but going right up to the, the the last album two years ago. So a serious cross-section of stuff. Some of the Boomer stuff will be in there, et cetera, except it's being done with full orchestra, and I, I just did not want to do that thing like Procol Harum did with the Edmonton Symphony, where as soon as the drums came in, you could not hear 40 violin players. You could could not hear the string section right on. for the big <laughs> crashy drums echoing in, in the symphony hall. Because I've also done a lot of film scores, I wanted to approach this this record from that standpoint to underscore melody and lyric so yeah there's going to be percussion etc but it's not going to be a kick drum mix it's not going to be a so it's it's songs that we know some of the ones we're playing but reimagined uh in a symphonic uh atmosphere absolutely a setting Yes. Incredible. And, and so I'm funding this on an Indiegogo campaign. It's called A Life in Song. And you can go there to the Indiegogo website. Just uh, dial in A Life in Song, Ian Thomas. And I'm funding it that way because, of course, as you know, there's no more record stores. There's no way to really recover any sales. I looked at Paul McCartney on his last album after doing Letterman and all of that stuff. 20,000 units for, yeah. for a Beatle. And and that's like a major sale now. Yeah, isn't that uh, something? You know, I could have gotten all the funding for this album from a record company if this were the 70s or the 80s or even the 90s, but now you can't. And you can't because all the record companies are just so down that narrow road of wanting the, the next Miley Cyrus or mm-hmm. or Beyonce. And, and so it, it's it's such a narrow view um, that, well, and I'm, I'm too old as far as record companies are concerned, too, which is, you know. I, well, they just don't put money. money out anymore no just don't do it they don't have any no this thing at mcmaster university you that's where you got the inspiration that they were they were celebrating your archives, My archives and yeah. put some of your that's music. how old i am that's right yeah. and, and, and put some of your music to strings did that catch you by surprise it came out of nowhere and it then did. all of you're thinking wow here's an idea the music director uh was a guy named darcy hepner and uh so he did actually uh a string section version of Painted Ladies, which was hilarious. Yeah. Paint, it was string section, Love sitar, yeah. and, and tabla, and, and it was a really interesting... Uh, it interested me in the song again, actually. Uh, so after that event, we started talking. Wouldn't it be great to do this with full orchestra? So we're doing this album over the summer, and whether all the money comes in from Indiegogo or not, I don't care. I've, I've, got, I've got some backup now that I'm... I'll, I'll, this is going to get done. Well, I want to just interject with that, because Someone might be answer, asking the question, as we might, why, um, well, the first answer is record companies wouldn't pay for it. And it's a, it's, you're hoping to raise $60,000. So far, you guys are 15000 along. With some of these crowdfunding uh, projects, they get something in return. So if I go to Indiegogo and give you a few dollars, we're not going to. But let's say we were. Um, <laughs> that's not going to happen in any way, shape, or form. You so, understand that. But I understand say, he's totally. Talking, <laughs> he's talking about it. It's not a uh, yeah, binding uh, hypothetically, contract. Hypothetically, if a human being not 
Rumble and Fred. No. Uh, Not this year, anyway. Yeah, we're, we're struggling. You're still. cheap, is what you're saying. No, he's cheap. <laughs> uh, I'm a Jew. Um, anyway. Well, the only difference between your Jew and your Scot is that the, the yarmulke is just really a tam that stayed in the dryer a wee bit too long. <laughs> so, does if someone goes to Indiegogo for life in a song, I'm also making this uh, a big plug for it. What does, if someone gives you some money, what do they get? There's a whole pile of packages, everything from an autographed copy of this new one, plus uh, there's another package called The X-Files. Some unreleased stuff is nice. going into that package. Uh, there's also one, uh, house concerts. I'm selling four house concerts. Wow. I've, we've already sold two. I'm going to Saskatoon for one. Not too far away from your old stomping grounds. Yeah, a couple hours north, eh? Yeah, Saskatoon. I saw one of the things that are that's being offered up is one of your own guitars too. Yeah, this this was a, a custom made guitar for me. It's much like a a, a Gretsch uh, Duo Jet. Uh, that's that's being sold as well. You say that like anyone in the room understood what I, you said. Well, Gretsch was, of farty cats. I was ready to smile and nod. If yeah. Okay. The old Gretsch guitars were a big deal. They were part of the Beatles sound in those early days. Oh, oh hold on a second. So how much is it? How much do we pledge? To get you to come and do a concert at someone's home. 2500 bucks. Dudes, hey, Canadians, figure this out. That's pretty that cool. And and by the couch. way, do you fly out there on your own? No, they got to pay for the airfare. Seriously? Yeah. So $2,500 airfare. Do, do you bill it with them like a hockey team? <laughs> do you, no. Do I, you stay in their at basement? At my age, I need a hotel room. I need my own shower, a fire hose, and a tarpaulin. <laughs> <laughs> So it's twenty five hundred dollars in expenses. That's you get to get Ian specific. Thomas. Yeah. Now apparently there's also a package for ten thousand dollars. You get to spend a night in Ian Thomas's home. Yeah. He's just looking at him. And I'll do a reach around. Nice. <laughs> Jeez, I'm in. Seriously. Hey, I'm Company not cheap. Expense. You for eight thousand. <laughs> you don't even have to complete me. You no. Just, no. <laughs> oh Jesus. Just get him started. <laughs> <laughs> just get the, just get it going. Just oh, to, is that what you completely meant? I yeah, never that's knew right. that. That's exactly what it means. In my house, it does. Yeah. I complete myself these days. Why do you think she squinted so much? Yeah. These these crowdfunders, they they are a little bit like whoring yourself out. There's no doubt about that. But generally speaking, I tried a crowd crowdfunder uh, about a week and a half ago, and this guy got seventy people uh, into his house, and it was the best time I've had in a long time. We had a fabulous center, just six of us to begin with, and these people seemed to know. They were like serious fans, knew every word to every song, and it was probably one of the most gratifying uh, concerts I've done in a long time. So this is fun for me, actually. It's, well, what a great no, thrill. No, it is. It, yeah. yeah. It Maybe really I should is. do a crowdfunder and have it where you'll go and do the show live from somebody's house. I believe me. I'm honestly, I just, I about forty seconds ago, I went, wait a second. How can I make money? How can this? we make money? Well, you're twenty five hundred bucks away from being able to do that, Howard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we charged a lot less. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. yeah. But here's the thing: you can get humble no, and Fred. reach around. You can get humble and Fred to do the show oh, live no, from your house free. for Chinese food yeah. and a warm blanket. That's right, twenty nine ninety five and a bucket of chicken. <laughs> it's come to this. Yeah, man. <laughs> so you said you're you're plowing through with it anyway. And yes, October seventeenth at Hamilton Place. There will actually be a performance of this album. Yep, that's I'm, that's a done deal. This got to uh, the HBO found out that I was Hamilton Film Orchestra found out I was doing this album, and uh, <clears throat> so 
we got chatting and they want to do uh, the first performance of this. So we're going to do it live at Hamilton Place on the 17th of October. And it looks like uh, we're going to be taking this across the country to, to other orchestras as well. A lot of symphony orchestras are in trouble these days because it, it's, yeah. it's hard to feed all those mouths. You know, 50, mm-hmm. 55 to sometimes if it's, it's full on, you know, 90 sure. guys. That's that's an expensive gig. Now we had talked earlier. I don't know if you guys were with us. Uh, if you're listening around North America, we talked about how you have to be kind of smart to be funny, and you have to be smart to write songs, synthesizing content, blah blah blah. But do you have any idea, Fred, how smart you have to be to score movies and television shows, a symphony orchestra? I mean, right now he's probably right now he, he appears to be listening, but he's actually thinking, how will I work the triangle into just right before your eyes? Actually, I was working on an oboe part. That's right. No, but think about it. Like, I read music. I've seen what a symphonic score looks like. How big is your fucking brain? (laughs) Well, it's all about ears. If you can hear it, you can do it. So the transcription, you know, knowing the ranges of instruments, knowing sometimes the combinations of instruments. If the double basses aren't speaking very well, if you put a bassoon on the same line, that's going to give you a little bit of point. Who doesn't know that? You can figure those things out. I don't. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Just you. Uh, all right. But Bocce. That's hey. Hey, Bocce. Hey. But and it, maybe you can come back before October 17th. And uh, me personally and Howard, to some extent, we don't like to leave our homes, but I would leave my home for this. I would leave you? my if home. That's high praise. That attend. is high yes. price. Come out of yes. your burrow. I'll leave my yes. home Hands a little on. bit more often than him, but it has to be really something I want to do. Fucking helps. Uh, <laughs> anyway, listen, kids. Ian's nice gonna to Ian's mm. gonna go over there oh, okay. to and get his instrument ready. Pardon? As uh, I know, I tried to make that joke about Tim. How long you need to get that guitar going? Um, what I'm gonna do, uh, Ian, is I'm going to mic the guitar with this uh, mic over here. So if you could just. Actually, this mic will pick up enough guitar. Okay, well, you don't want that. Because I think the last time I did this, you shot it with a camera somewhere. Yeah, that was right. different. And you used that camera mic, and it missed the guitar totally. No, but 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 this this audio here. Yeah, it uh, wasn't the same audio. It was different audio. Okay. So you just give give me a level here. So there's guitar. You ready? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, sit back and... Hey, I do that, but you know what? I forgot the first line of the song. Hang on. I'm going to get... Oh, no, I get it for you. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. No, I'll get it for you. It's right here. Uh, Is that... Hold on. Ah, Don't rush me. All right, there. Don't rush me. You really forgot it? I did. Fuck, that makes me feel good. Wherever I go now, I take my lyrics with me. He's a fucking genius. Just in case of that Canadian... Don't make me cry. Right. ...condition called the whiteout. (laughs) Okay. Uh, please welcome to our show the very, very fine performance artist known as Ian Thomas at WH and F. Ian Chavis, ladies and gentlemen. Ian Thomas, everybody. <laughs> Don't rush me just this once. I want to make this moment last. So when you're gone, I can hold on. I just forgotten the lyric. Everything I'm feeling should time try fading the steel in something away. Hold on, nothing's the same. Tell me why I feel this way. Life wouldn't be worth living without you. All along, I've been the pretender, but now that's 
Gotta concentrate, file away every last detail. Don't wanna lose what's going down. I wanna remember everything I'm feeling. Should time try fading or stealing something away? Rough, that's a general, that's that a courtroom great. artist version mm. of the same song. Sounded good to me. It was pretty cool, I gotta tell you, because I uh, was in there, I got their lyrics up, and you're looking at the lyrics, but I noticed as uh, interesting aside for me, maybe, is that there's no hesitation as to what the, the, the song, the note, the chords are. It's almost like your hands have muscle memory they do have. for it, where consciously you have to go, oh yeah, how does that line go? It is muscle memory. It's it's akin to what happens to masturbation. You, yes. You, your hands know exactly. Speak to me. <laughs> See, it's good when people can talk on your level. Exactly. Yeah. You're talking to the Obi-Wan Kenobi of jerking off. <laughs> um, it's so bad. I know you guys have heard this. My 17-year-old is pretty funny. She said to me, I asked her to, she says the thing, she goes, Daddy, can you make me lunch? I go, no, I'm busy. I can't do it right now. She goes, busy? What do you do all day? All you do is nap and jerk off. I went, whoa, oh, come on. I said, I also drink. <laughs> what am I, some sicko? You're gonna have to learn to close the door. No. Now, when would be when w- was the last yet. time you would have performed that song that you would forget the lines today? Oh, a week ago. Really? Yeah. Isn't yeah. that something? When no, I was I, here, I, 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 the last <laughs> time I was here, I, I thought he was that. here. <laughs> I do find that somewhat inspirational because, you know, when you get older and you lose your mind a bit, it's well, I mix, great that you're not alone. I mix them all up. <laughs> so I, I haul yeah. out songs I haven't done for a while and, yeah. and cycle them in. And so consequently, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm not at them every day. So, yeah. And actually, when I write a new song, by the time I've finished the song and I'm on to another one, if you were asking me to, to play the song I had just written that I knew inside out a week before, I'd have to relearn it again. Yeah. So it, it's like this... Your memory is just okay. I have to concentrate on what I'm doing at the moment, and and so I've just written so many songs over the years. Mm-hmm. I How can't many? remember them all. Oh, jeez. Well, ones that have been recorded, probably maybe 300 of those. And wow, I can't remember. And you everywhere. think about it, like if you were going to go on tour and you hadn't played, uh, you know, right before your eyes for a while. Uh, you have to sort of go. How does that go? And where's the where's, what's the change in it? What's the bridge? And, and it's funny how, you know, I, even when, even when, when bigger bands go out and like you 2 or somebody does a tour, the reason they rehearse are the Stones, because they haven't played those songs together for a long sure. time. Yeah, it makes sense. Have you seen Keith Richards' Fingers? 
and yeah, he's got the worst arthritis ever. So, you know, for him... But he can't feel his hands anymore. Well, he has to, he has to rehearse, yeah. I think, to stay on top of it. You know what? I, I used to... I was never a huge Stones fan until I saw uh, the big uh, IMAX thing they did, yeah. the live show. And when Mick left the stage for two seconds, and it was no longer a three-ring circus in that moment, and Keith did a couple of songs. He had an al- a solo album mm-hmm. out in that window. It was a real rock band, and I went, oh, geez, this guy is mm-hmm. like the best. He can really play. Oh, he and he loves it. You know, he loves playing guitar, and it shows. His passion is there. Do you ever hear a song on the radio, whether it's some new artist like Ed Sheeran or a, a song you've liked for a while, and go, I wonder how that goes, and then just start trying to figure it out? Oh, yeah. I, I can remember, actually, uh, one of the first things, I don't think I'd, ev- I'd even really gotten into too much guitar. There was a song back uh, in the 60s called Sunny by Bobby Ebb, and it was this. It was this thing that turned me on. Okay, so Sonny, remember that? Mm-hmm. I, I like that song. Thank you for the fact uh, from that to it was the bass line. Oh, Sonny. It was that bass part that just. And so you tried to figure it out. Yeah. Um, the reason I ask is because you're a guy that's written 300 songs that has been recorded, probably hundreds of others just for your own edification. Do you ever write something? Maybe it was a week ago. You start noodling around with a, a phraser, and then you kind of think, oh, shit, that's that's uh, if I fell by the Beatles. <laughs> or that phrase <laughs> is similar to. Yeah, I had a, a song on one of the Boomers albums, and I realized it, it was a... Uh, uh, called That's What Love Can Do. And I realized... Satisfaction. Exactly. Uh. (laughs) And it it drove me crazy. So I had to rearrange the band track so it didn't sound like satisfaction anymore. You know, Keith was brilliant at those little, you know... Just great little guitar parts, you know? He was really a, a very, very smart guy. Um... Do we have time for another song? Uh, not on Sirius, mm-hmm. but we got Podcast no. Extra. Before, Maybe I'm not so serious. Yeah, we're going to get off uh, Sirius in about four minutes, and we'll do a Podcast Extra with uh, Ian Thomas a bit and uh, Clara and uh, Linda. We're going to get you a, a chance as well. Um, but back to s- singing or, or synthesizing other people's music. What do you think about like this lawsuit with uh, Ian? Um, Robin Thicke. Yeah. And for Crap. Uh, well, total crap. What part is total crap? That both of those pieces of music are totally different. That's what I think. The, the only thing about it, okay, there's hand, there's hand clapping, there's a crowd in the background. Well, then Cowbell. What, so, what are they getting, so should the people who did the in crowd, should they have sued Marvin Gaye? It, it, because it's genre does not make it plagiaristic. So that jury were a, a bunch of imbeciles trying to rule with musical expertise. But they that is not a lawsuit. Ex- but musical experts, they would have brought them. That they've got $7 million because they say it's, it's as, enough alike, whatever that Marvin Gaye song was, that they owe them some money. And you say no. And you know, it's funny because I was listening to that. Other than a feel, it's not the same... Right. There's song. The melody is not the yeah, same. The melody is different. The lyric is not the same. The phrasing is not the same. Actually, the production is really not the same. It's crap, and it's the it's it's gays relatives just trying to cash in. Big and, time. and you know the the problem is the precedent it sets now because if it's that loose and they were still nailed on it, I mean, really, what's the next one? Well, you, well the next gonna, one is up. 
apparently yeah. I heard this rumor that uh, the family is going to try and get money from Pharrell Williams again because of the song Happy. It apparently is something like a Marvin Gaye tune. I'm not taking anything away because from Marvin Gaye. Because be that could be a full-time job, wouldn't it? Going through music to try and figure out sure. who ripped who off? Well, there's actually been a uh, an un-won award uh, mm-hmm. for four bars of completely original music that's never been won. So, you know, I think when you come down to it, it's a we've only got... X number of notes on the scale. You right. Know? Exactly. I, I mean, it's so you can rearrange them in different configurations because you're using the same scale. You could be called a plagiarist. And I think basically that's the that's the grounds of the Marvin Gaye suit to me. Yeah, there's a uh, this is interesting that you said that because there's a it's, it's been on the Internet for a while. It's by a, a group from I think they're Australian. Yeah, it's a comedy group called the Axis of Awesome. And what they've done is this video, and it's been seen by, now it's 22 million people. It's basically all the songs in rock and roll and pop that are, you know, four four chords. One, four, two, and five, whatever it is. Yeah, there's a few more songs in the same chords. So think about them crying. Can you These are all the same chords. Won't you turn the other cheek? Forever young, I want to be forever young. I won't hesitate no more, no more. So all these artists. I'm your lipstick stain. Crazy, huh? Yeah. So you go back to the 50s. If you get some time, I know you'd like this, Eileen, because yeah. it's all a bunch of pretty current songs. Well, when you're going from Foreigner to yeah. Jason Mraz to all these, you know. To Alphaville. Yeah. To Elton John. To Elton John. Nobody wants to see us together, but it don't matter. That guy sings through his nose. Yeah. He's in He's radio. <laughs> but you're saying they've gone back now again? After the, the, the Marvin Gaye people? Yeah. I, I just heard this a couple uh, days no, ago that no, they might I, be. And I'm not surprised because, really, I, I don't know music that well. But when I heard that ruling, I thought, this is just, where is this going to lead now? That this is all you're going to hear about. Well, you're right. It does set a Especially dangerous precedent. Previous down and out artists or their families, like it's open season now, well, isn't think it? Of it? Think of it. Think of Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. Mm-hmm. It sounds nothing specifically like a James Brown song, but can they can they argue that it's it's that, got a James Brown feel? So the, can Absolutely. they copyright the the feel of it? And I think that's be, what this is lawyer driven. But this oh, is yeah, what sure. you were totally. saying. One of the things that there's the intro to Blurred Lines and the intro to uh, whatever that Marvin Gaye tune. Mm-hmm. There's a Definite feel that are that's similar, but that's okay because as you said, I never, I always thought the melody was too different to have had a chance. Yep. But as you were just playing now, you think about all the songs. Same chords. Go ahead and start. Well, that was the fifties. You know. You name all the songs. Silhouette on the uh, yeah. Young Love, Bobby Vinton, Young Love. Same thing with um, Sam Cooke. Yep. He had a, such a distinct kind of... Yeah, exactly. But, but we just thought of two ones. There's Silhouette on the whatever and Blue Moon. Those are, there's about 50,000 songs yeah. like that. All the doo-wop songs. Sure. Basically the same chord structure. You know, I was telling Ian while we were just doing the, the extra there, there's a song by uh, April Wine I used to love called You Could Have Been a Lady. And it's basically the same three chords as Taking Care of Business. 
Right. And, and it's the same three chords as it's a DCG. So, so how do you... It's the bar chord <clears throat> one. It's the... Yeah, exactly. But you're playing FG. Yeah, yeah it's exactly the same. Well, you It's exactly the same so that, chords. How do you explain that hasn't become an issue? Just, again, lawyers decided not to get involved on well, this one? Or? Well, I think... It- it would have been an issue if the writers had felt ripped off, but because the songs themselves are so different, mm-hmm. the writers knew better. Right. This isn't about the writers. Marvin Gaye would never have sued. His family is suing. Yeah. Because their lawyers waved some money in yeah. front of them. Well, and they're acting like they're being vindicated and crying oh, I know. on camera. Oh, the the interviews after were, were, were just unbooked. Justice has been served. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. It's yeah. like, please. <laughs> that Lord. Was, that was funny. We were, we yeah. were watching That's the That's why interview. his dad killed him, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord told him to. Yeah. Uh, just saying. We watched an interview yesterday with some people uh, that were distraught, and they were just thanking, praising God on camera. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Which um, God was it? It's a, they're all the gods. I, I, I worship the Sky Muppet. That's who my thing is. Tiki. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the Sky Muppet. <laughs> you know who it was? It was the mother of the black man who was shot in South Carolina by the white cop there a couple of days ago. Yeah. And he's dead. And this video surfaced, and she's standing there going, oh, praise the Lord. Thank, Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank, Thank you, Lord. Lord. For what exactly? Well, praise Sony for having that camera. <laughs> I yeah. guess that's it. Praise and technology. So. Thank you. Um, I'll tell you what. Um, why don't we get Ian to play one more song, if you can do it. And then sure. we'll get our kids on here, and then we'll shut this thing down. Would you Would you prefer to play something new that you've written, like recently, or would you like to play a standard, an old thing? I'll play you, one that uh, might be fun. And do you need okay. lyrics? Tell me. Yeah, I do. What do you want? Which one? What's the song? Um, I got them right here, buddy. I have my lyric book. Buddy, I got it right here. He's got a lyric book. If he wants his book, a let lyric him get book. book. The internet has your lyrics. What oh, you it? want to grab them off the internet? Well, yeah, I got them here. Put them here. Look at this. Google. This will be way easier because I just turned this to you. I don't so, whatever the hell you want. I don't know. You want to hear something up? What if he gets some spittle in it? No, I know, but I, oh. this way he won't be looking over there. And then, Hey, uh, here's it. one for you. Why don't I do... Um, I had a song, of course, that was a, a hit for me in 81. Nice. And said, remembering to get back on mic. So he sounded like he was on the same show. And uh, it was then a hit for uh, Manfred Mann. Right. Oh. And... So this song appeared in um, the movie uh, The Philadelphia Experiment, yes. which was a great little bit of sci-fi. Did that make Jesus. you a little bit of money? It did. Shit. I had, you need to write songs. I had some stuff <laughs> picked out in the Canadian tire catalog, being a good Canadian. And when the first residual check uh, came in, I would like to thank the members of Manfred Mann for my three-ring Mr. Turtlepool and the Garden Weasel. <laughs> By the way, thank Phil, he's, Phil, he yeah. said Turtle Pool, not Turtle Egg. Thank you very much. Don't lose your shit, Bang Bang. <laughs> yeah, and, and bang actually, pong. so I met their manager who came into uh, the Anthem office. Oh, really glad to meet you. I said, oh, uh... You, you manage Manfred? No, I don't manage them. I own them. That's what he said. <laughs> oh, very gracious man. Nice, You've, nice to meet you. We've too. made you a lot of money. You know, he, he was like really upset. <laughs> he said, yeah, my song made sold a lot of your albums, mate. And that was actually uh, <laughs> something of a sad moment for me because mm-hmm. my album, The Runner, was down at Arista to be released by Arista. Uh, they, they were in the offing for a U.S. release. And then we get the I get a phone call from Clive Davis saying, "I think the song The Runner is probably one of the most important songs of this decade." And uh, 
but we can't put your album out. I need the song for this other band. And so <laughs> virtually every song on that album came out by other artists. Interesting. So it was a very... Um, it was a very odd time for me. It made me a lot of money, but somehow I was art- artistically, I felt kind of robbed. Yeah. By the way, and we if that mm-hmm. happens to us, we wouldn't care. <laughs> we, uh, no, we if would it like, meant I could buy a garden weasel. <laughs> exactly. You if, are a garden uh, weasel. You can artistically rape us if you give <laughs> you, us enough yeah. money. You are a garden weasel. <laughs> you can see him hiding in the bushes. Right. <laughs> we run right. away. That's right. I Often outside my window. You don't need to worry about us feeling bad if you want to rip us off and give us a lot of money. That's right. And you you know what? This song recently, uh, some the footage came up of me doing this on the Alan Thick show. Get out! Back in the days, uh, I think it was in the eighties. Yeah, in Vancouver. And- Best show I'd been on ever because uh, I was a huge fan of the 1951 version of A Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim. Mm-hmm. And who else is on the show but Patrick McNee? Wow! And uh, Patrick McNee, he was in the Avengers. That's right. And he played the young Marley in the 51 Christmas Carol with Mr. Sim. So my question to him was, Mr. McNee, I mean, uh, I'm a fan of that movie. You got to tell me, what what was it like on that set? And he said, oh, what a lark. It was an absolute lark. Nobody could believe we were getting paid. Because it seems such a dark film. But Dickens, oh, look at the characterizations. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're hysterical. Miles Millison, who was one of Bertrand Russell's best friends. Actually, Bertrand had an affair with Miles' wife till Miles said, please, Bertie, I'd like to remain friends. So Bertie... (laughs) (laughs) Civilized. It was. Anyway, you remember him... He played the pawn shop uh, broker. What? You took those bed curtains down. What with him lying there and all? You was born to make a fortune, you. I always did have a soft spot for the ladies. It shall bring me to me ruin. I'm confused. Great old character. Great old character yeah. actor. And mm-hmm. the one, Kathleen Harrison, who played Mrs. Dilber, the house cleaner. Good morning, it's a strange in keeping with the situation. These people were all so <laughs> larger than life. Two gay now. No. <laughs> The Brits are larger than life. Well, that first voice you Mm -hmm. did, that sort of gruff cockney voice. I'd gone to England as a young... The first time I was there, I was 22 or whatever. I walked up to some street... Punks, so I was like, kind of be all friendly. I said, this one guy, like a uh, skinhead, skinhead. I go, hey, I'm from, we're looking for something. I said, by the way, I'm from Canada. Your queen's on our money. He goes, the queen's a fucking whore. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, nice to meet you. I'm from Moose Jaw. <laughs> he did his What are you doing that? I, guess, <laughs> I, was asking, I was trying Jesus, to be like, yeah. make a comment. Yeah. The queen's a fucking whore. I thought so too. Okay. It's a fiver. Yeah. <laughs> Jolly good, Bonnet. All right, let's get uh, Ian to sing, and then we'll uh, get our other kids in here, and we got to shut things down. And uh, we will announce on Facebook our winners of... uh, Absolutely, we will, later today. All right. So what pleased me the most about this song being covered uh, was when it was included in the movie, the Terry Fox story. Nice. So that was a payoff for me as a writer, not that Manfred Mann had had a hit with it. Right on. Well, they really didn't have a leg to stand on. (laughs) Oh, Mr. Thomas was just giving you a, a, a delicate introduction to the... You son of a Carry bitch. on. Through the night, through the dawn, behind you another runner is born. Don't look there, you've been there. Feel the mist as your breath hits the air. And it's underneath the moonlight. Passing some, still your heart beats 
A shooting star across the sky And you will surely cross the line To pass on the flame Sun come up, sun go down Hear the feet, see the sweat on the ground Watch your step, keep you cool Well, you can't see what's in front of you And it's underneath the moonlight Passing songs to your heart Beats in the moonlight like a drum And you will run your time A shooting star across the sky And you will surely cross the line To pass on the flame Cause you're a runner in a race Taking someone's place who's running on the flame and you will run your time a shooting star across the sky and you will surely cross the line to pass on the flame to pass on the flame Shooting star across the sky Hey, you will run your time A little bit of Tom waiting there. Yeah, you know, except for the just really a horrible comment before you started playing for my lean, but that was really beautiful. Uh-huh. Oh, a little distaste is great. Yeah, that's Thank fine. you, Ian. No, he's, he's just being nice. Uh, anyway. You should try it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. When our new producer gets here, I'll be a lot nicer to her. Huh. Uh, before Ian goes, we want everyone to go to ianthomas.ca. There's details at Indiegogo for the um, fundraiser, the crowd. Why don't I keep fucking this up? What is it, a crowd? Crowdfunder. Crowdfunder. Yeah. It's uh, called the li- a Life in Song. A Life in a Song. A Life in Song. And uh, I'm with you. If you, you can pick me up on the way to Hamilton. October 17th. We'll have dinner at Le Chanois. Le Chanois. And then we'll head over to... There's some uh, cool parts of Hamilton. Yeah. There are. We got a McDonald's there, too. No, well, no, there's a couple. Of, I hear there's a Tim Hortons in Hamilton. Timmy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's a. The home of Tim Hortons. There's Tim no, Hortons Corpse. <laughs> Every corner, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Every, the citizens go to pay homage to Tim Hortons Corpse. Do you get to see Tim Bits? Uh, little bits of Tim. There's a little area there in downtown Hamilton that's got some. Hess kind of, Village. Whatever. It's kind of revived. It's yeah. kind of cool. No, but it's called Hess Village. A lot of uh, big artistic community uh, yeah. coming back because oh, yeah. the real estate's cheaper. So, January yep. uh, 2014, you were here, huh? I'm yeah. gonna have to put. I'm gonna have to put this in my calendar because the next time you hear me saying, "Weren't you just here yesterday?" <laughs> Fuck. I heard a 90 year old woman being interviewed, and they said, "So what's it like at night?" She, I get up, I have breakfast. I get up, I have breakfast. I get up, I have breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. Yeah. All brand buds with psyllium every morning. Wow. <laughs> I get up, I have breakfast. Yeah. Uh, brand, she's doing more than just getting up and having breakfast. <laughs> that's like that. That, that old joke. The doctor guy goes to the doctor and he says, "Doctor, I can't tell if my wife has Alzheimer's or." AIDS, and he says, we'll take her to the edge of town. And if she comes back, don't fuck her. 
<laughs> Sound great. advice, I think. Oh, my God. I heard I a 90... 90- I can never remember jokes, but that one I had for some reason. It was a 95-year-old couple, another true interview, and they were getting divorced. They were being interviewed on CBC. Might have been with Bumper from... I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they said, why getting divorced now? And the answer was, we wanted to wait till the children were dead. <laughs> <laughs> You can't write that stuff. No, it's Who would think of doing a joke like that? Old Jewish guy goes to the doctor and says, uh, the doctor says, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Uh, Jewish name. Insert. Uh, insert Jewish. <laughs> I've got some bad. You've only got 10 to live. He goes, what do you mean, doctor? 10, 10 years? 10 months? He goes, 10, 9, 8, 7. <laughs> uh, I will tell one quick story before you go. I mentioned that uh, years ago I'd met Ian. We were doing voiceovers and stuff, and we sort of got along. That's how actually I met you was we had just been in a booth together being silly, doing some commercials. And I was so thrilled when I met him. I was like, fuck, I'm doing a spot with Ian Thomas. This is cool. I went to a bitch. He's getting double at a half scale. Fuck him. <laughs> so, and we got along. We had from laughs. No jealousy in it. No, no, no. no, no. 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 It's all artists like, oh, I wonder how much he's getting. <laughs> uh, it's like our friend Dan. No matter what the audition is, Dan goes, how'd you get that? I go, well, it was for a... Uh, this type of voice, so I could do that, and and no matter what it is, Dan, be like, hey Dan, the breakdowns for a small black child, I could do that. <laughs> How do you get that part? Because he's a black Chinaman. <laughs> um, so I said to Ian, my wife at the time, Randy, was a huge fan of a, of a certain song of Ian's, and I said this was probably probably a third or fourth anniversary, so early nineties, and I said, you know, she loves this song, and I want to surprise her for her birthday. So here's what this guy did. By this time, he'd been easy at fucking times. So I. <laughs> I got a cassette. Yes, my middle name. <laughs> I got a cassette. Odd choice. I F T. Yeah, and I and I had we. I just had arranged to meet him downtown, and he recorded him singing uh, right before your eyes a cappella on this cassette. Tape. Wow! And so we were on our way to uh, a dinner. And I had a cassette machine in the car because mm-hmm. it's fancy. Of course. Mm. Or maybe I didn't. I don't know. Whatever. So, hey, I said, hello, Randy. You know, I, I um, have a little present for you. And I said, no, this is your favorite song. And Ian's, so I press play. And Ian comes on and goes, hi, Randy. It's uh, Ian Thomas. Just want to wish you a uh, happy anniversary. Hope you guys have a great night. And then he starts singing on the bus to Madison Avenue. You know what I'm and Randy's like fucking bawling. And it was like this great... Moment. Yeah, wonderful. You're a nice man, Ian Thomas. Oh, did it pay off? Was it? No. Well, we're divorced now. We still so. couldn't make it work, eh, dude? <laughs> maybe we've been in the back seat and popped up and going, every day. Hey. Every time she started arguing with I can you. add home record to my CV now. <laughs> you may have broke up that marriage. <laughs> it would have been Jesus better Christ. if you just popped up in the back seat. Hey, Having right. a hard time with your wife, bring Ian over. He'll sing for you and it'll all be over in a split second. That's right. Ending it all with a reach around. That's right. Get out while you can. <laughs> Tension. Married citizens. That's right. <laughs> and don't forget, there are no bad questions. And we don't get paid. You know. <laughs> well, that's the day the, I the sit runner. beside you, wondering where my money's going to go. That's right. Oh, I know. You actually wrote the runner about Howard, didn't you? That's right. No, that was the, was, about, was about Fred and the runs. <laughs> Did you run like a girly man from uh, that marriage? No, I. Uh, it was a great marriage. Still best friends. In fact, I was texting her this morning about something with her kid. No, she's great. She's awesome. Um, and I still love this song. It is a crapshoot to think that two people from totally different gene pools could carry on on a parallel course. It's nonsense. That's Huge. why I married my cousin. Well, it works for some people. Nah, but I, uh, it's some a crapshoot. Yeah. Uh, listen, Ian Thomas, everyone. What a wonderful, wonderful man. Thank you Victor's. very much. Yep. Thank you. You've already signed the thing, I'm sure. Was Did yes. we have the thing up when he was I here signed the bathroom time? wall the last time I was yes. here. Nice. But I will take your picture. But can you still remember the chords of this? Shit. 
call, call Randy. Call Randy. Get Randy on the phone. Maybe we'll give. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to get back to the weather. I just want to reunite with my money. <laughs> <laughs> Together again, right. <laughs> the reunion I tour. Reckon, I want to reconcile with that fucking money, <laughs> honey. Could I just go to your safety deposit box right. and just right. just for a glance? It turns well, out that's Howard, what she called it. Howard and his money are in couples counseling. Oh, yeah. were you actually you were known as his, her safety deposit box? That's right. Oh, hello. hello. Yeah, Remember, okay. Mike? I've told these guys. My kids said when we told them we were separating, like, Daddy, are we still going to be rich? I went, Well, you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much, Daddy. Daddy, I'm busy. Working with a garden weasel. <laughs> I'm Toronto Mike. I produce Humble and Fred. If you want to hear more of me, I host a podcast called Toronto Miked. If you go to torontomike.com and click Notable Guests at the very top, you can cherry pick an episode and just check it out, see what you think. There are plenty of Humble and Fred episodes to choose from. Thanks for listening. Peace and love. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and DraftKings. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And don't forget to help keep the show going by licking them. <clears throat> uh, liking them. Like and subscribe.
It's on, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook has arrived. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports, from MMA to hockey to playoff hoops, and so much more. Bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now from anywhere in the province. Join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook is live. So go to the App Store and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to get in on the action. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call Connects Ontario, 1-866-531-2600. 19 plus, physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Please play responsibly. DraftKings operates pursuant to an operating agreement with iGaming Ontario.